Welcome to a new episode in our Livewire series of Kingdom Patterns. Uh, this is the series where we look at how we can find our next step and discover the ways in which God leads us through our lives and gives us direction. So I want to start this episode with a question. Have you ever felt that you're going around in circles? Maybe as this little graphic depicts, you're in one season of your life and you seem to be staying in that season all your life. No real breakthrough, no real momentum, just going around and around and around in circles, doing the same thing and getting the same results. Proverbs says this, the path of life leads upwards for the wise. The New King James Version says, the way of the wise winds upwards. So I believe that momentum is ring shaped. Let me give you an example. So sometimes we're going around and around in a circle, it seems, but every so often we can hear God's voice. I want you to imagine uh, one of the old war movies, if you ever watch them in a submarine and someone's watching on a, on a radar and every so often they hear a blip, beep, 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 they kind of know something's coming. I think that happens in our spiritual lives. You know, we're going through life and every so often the same thing keeps popping up on our radar. Maybe we go and open our Bible and we read a story and it makes us think about something. And then we go to church that week and the, the pastor preaches about the same thing. And then we're in a conversation with someone and they bring up the same verse that the, the pastor preached on. And it's a way of God, it seems, getting our attention and trying to help us move on to another season, another stage in our journey with him. So what does it look like when the way of the wise winds upwards? Well, first of all, it looks like this. There's a connection that we need to make into another season. And the way we make that connection is by taking the opportunity to change in the way that God is reminding us about. And eventually our life can look a little bit like this. You know, the, the, the Bible says that the boundaries of our life are ever increasing and God is looking to bring us into a, a bigger place, a bigger place as far as a relationship with him, a bigger place as far as impact for his kingdom, a, a bigger place of provision, a, a, just a bigger place, a place where the boundary lines are more pleasant than they were before almost. But what does that look like? For me, I think this ring-shaped journey is a way that God leads us and grows us into a place where we can have more impact for him. But it's all about taking the opportunities that come to us. And that's what we're going to look at today. What does it look like to take those opportunities? So I remember a while back that I was uh, going through a particular season in my life. And while I was in this season of going around and around kind of stuck where I was, I started to hear a beep, 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 beep. Once it was through a preach, I remember at one point it was actually through a movie I saw, uh, and then there was a mentoring session that I went through with someone. And the beep I was hearing was, I needed to write books. And I have to be honest, I remember 
ignoring that for a while, but eventually coming to the realization that God was giving me an opportunity, a particular moment in time to grab the opportunity with somebody I find out, a friend of mine who would publish books. And I made the connection, and to be honest, I've not looked back. Uh, it's opened up whole new areas for me and for Pays as far as uh, resources and finances and influence as well. Now the problem is that sometimes we can ignore the beep and it will come again but we may have to go around in circles for another couple of years. And I think this is the problem is that sometimes we can miss the connection and miss out. Yes we'll get another opportunity but we may have wasted some time in the meantime. Another problem we can sometimes come across is something that a different proverb warns us about. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So I believe that complacency and waywardness are connected. The journey that God has for us, the direction he's taking is always about making new connections. It's about taking steps of faith and moving out of our comfort zone. When we become complacent, then we can become wayward. And if you look at this uh, other diagram, what you see there is someone actually reducing the place in which they live, less resources, less influence, and no longer in a kind of straight line, but more wayward. We're going to unpack what that looks like. But for now, let's just look at our first workshop. So I'd like you to create a ring diagram for yourself. When have you made a connection and what has been the results? And when have you missed connections, do you feel? And what have the consequences of that been? When have you seen momentum in your life the most? So as you think about your journey so far with the Lord, are there times when you kind of had an opportunity and you had to grab it in that moment or it would have been lost? And when you did that, um, where did it lead to? Or what about the opposite? Maybe you regret times. Maybe you know you should have taken opportunities or should have improved uh, yourself in some way when God gave you an opportunity or a challenge and you missed it. Let me just say this. Um, making connections is not simply about moving somewhere or doing something different. Quite often it can be God challenging us about something in our own life or encouraging us in some way to step out of our comfort zone which then leads to something at a later date. So create a diagram for yourself, maybe it's got one, two, three, four rings or more and mark the connections, tell us what those connections signify and then share that with your group. Okay so let's look at a pilgrim, someone who's been on this journey to really help us unpack what this looks like. Let me ask you the question, has anybody in history gone around in circles getting nowhere more than Moses? How did he get to that place where Moses famously wandered in the desert in circles for 40 years of his life? What was the situation, what was the beep that he missed? What was the reason that he ended up walking around in circles and what can we learn from that? Well, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Numbers. What we're about to read takes place after God has told Moses they're going to go into the promised land and Moses has sent spies out to check out what that promised land looks like. And this is what happens next. 
Then they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack these people. They are stronger than we are and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. What happens next is a tragedy if you know the story. Uh, Moses essentially gives in and um, the people miss the connection. They miss that moment when they should have entered into the promised land. It's crazy to me because God had already told them they should do, but they had a debate and there was so much negativity, they missed out. Now, they did get a chance later on, but it was 40 years later and many of the people had died. It was a whole different generation that entered the promised land. In fact, even Moses himself missed out. Such a tragic thing that we need to avoid. So how did they get there? Well, let's just go back a little bit. Go back to the story of Joseph, who had uh, entered into Egypt and had become a really powerful man and the Hebrews had flourished. Eventually, the Hebrews became uh, slaves to the Egyptians. And when it came time for Moses to ask Pharaoh to let the Egyptian, sorry, let the Israelites go, we think something like 2 million uh, Hebrews or 2 million people left. So we know there were something like 600,000 Hebrew adults that left. But then when you factor in the women and you factor in the non-Hebrews that went with them, we think that 2,000, sorry, 2 million escaped from Egypt. Egypt at the time had around about 3 to 6 million people living in it. So this was not a small number. This was a huge number of people that left. But what we find is in that entire journey before and afterwards, there's a culture that exists within those people. And it's best summed up in this verse. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the deserts of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? This culture of grumbling really influenced them. In fact, in Numbers 14, we know that because of this, this culture, eventually they miss out on what God has for them. Just listen to this verse. For 40 years, one for each of the 40 days you explore the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. 
Okay, let's just pause there for a moment. This is the children of God, and God has just said to them, you're going to know for 40 years what it is like to have me against you, father against his children. And so, of course, they wander in the desert. It is estimated that they wandered 240 miles over the next 40 years. If you do the math, that's six miles per year. Now, six miles per hour is pretty slow, but six miles per year is absolutely crazy. Some historians have kind of mapped this out and they would say that what they actually did was they kind of camped at a place called Kadesh and used that as a base camp, often wandering and then coming back, essentially walking around in circles for 40 years. The fact of the matter is that they were in a wandering, wayward journey. But God journeyed with them because he always journeys with pilgrims. Someone can be going the wrong way, but still see the signs of God's activity in their life. I think that's really important to point out that when we're in a wilderness experience, when we've missed the connection, it does not mean that God leaves us. In actual fact, we can often really see the signs of God's activity in our lives. When they wandered in the desert, of course, there was the pillar of fire, uh, there was the cloud, there was the, the manna from heaven. They, they saw God, they saw signs of God's activities in their life on a daily basis, but they weren't living in the bigger promises that God had for them, and they weren't experiencing the greater things that God could do through them. It wasn't until Joshua came that they finally entered into the promised land and finally saw momentum and saw greater things happening. So yeah, Moses missed it. Joshua made the connection. He sent spies, but this time uh, they went for it and they entered the promised land. But there's one more character that can teach us something, I think, about this ring journey, sadly in the negative sense, and that's Pharaoh. Let's read what happened a little bit earlier when Moses actually went to Pharaoh and asked Pharaoh to release God's people, which of course he did several times. This is what happened on one occasion. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not listen to... Hang on a minute, let's stop there. Yeah, let's just stop there. That can't be right, can it? That God hardens someone's heart. I mean, we have free will, don't we? So how can it be that God hardens someone's heart? Clearly, this is just an anomaly. It's a one-off. Well, you would think that until you actually look and you realize that 46 times in the Bible, God hardens someone's heart. So what does that look like? And how is that connected to our kingdom pattern today? Well, there's a process. Let me take you through that process. First of all, God says he will harden someone's heart. We see that in Exodus 4 verse 21. But then Pharaoh hardens his heart. We see that in Exodus 7, 13, 7, 22, 8, 15, 9, verse 7. And then eventually God hardens Pharaoh's heart, which he does in Exodus 9 verse 
12. What you're seeing here is lots of beeps coming up on the radar from Pharaoh, but him ignoring them so much that eventually his heart becomes hardened through a process. God warns him, God says he's going to do it. Pharaoh hardens his own heart and then God hardens Pharaoh's heart because eventually what becomes more important to God is that people see what he can do when people harden their heart towards him. So we have the life of Moses, we have the life of Pharaoh. If you know the story of Joshua, you see the positive side of this. But let's move into our next workshop. Is there another Bible character whose life seems to exemplify the ring journey? If so, please plot their ring journey in the same way I just did for Moses and Pharaoh, including the various reference points and scriptures. So what other Bible character can you see either connecting or missing the opportunity in those specific moments that God uses? So let's look at some practices, things that we as pilgrims can do when we're in this particular pattern, when God's beginning to lead us and guide us. You know, how do we recognize that God is speaking to us, for instance? How do we know when it's a God opportunity? In the book, of course, I go into much more detail. I give uh, much more advice, but for the sake of this live wire and brevity, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. The first practice is this. Start training and stop trying. The reason we miss the connections so often is because we're not ready for them. And when those connections come, we're not in a place where we can grasp hold of them. I've often said this, that once I tried to surf, when I first went surfing, I'd grown my hair, got my board shorts, rented a surfboard, got into the perfect place. There was a great wave coming, but because I didn't know what to do, because I hadn't trained myself, even though another surfer shouted to me, this wave's got your name on it, I tried to get on the wave and completely messed up and got taken around in a tumble dryer in, in a circles under the water. And that's a metaphor, I think. You know, sometimes God can send an opportunity, but if we're not trained ourselves, we try in the moment and we fail. Proverbs 19 verse 4 says, If you're too lazy to plough in the right season, you will have no food at harvest. Abram Lincoln said, I will prepare today because tomorrow my opportunity may come. So, yes, sometimes God uses hype. Uh, we always think of hype in a negative sense, but the meaning of hype is this. To stimulate, liven and increase. So, worship is a great way that God uses hype. He, he kind of circumnavigates sometimes rationality and just in that moment, he lifts our spirits in such a way that we can, we can want to do something. Or a great inspirational preacher can get us to that place where we want to we make, make some kind of commitment. But even though we might be willing, if we've not trained ourselves, if we're not accustomed to take an opportunity, we may miss it. So the purpose of a season, the purpose of going round and round in circles, and if you feel you're going round and round in circles right now, the purpose for that is to train you. But if you don't do the training, if you don't suck out of, of that opportunity all you can, when the moment comes, you won't be ready. You'll try, 
but you won't make the connection that you need to make. See, the people of Israel were given some hype. Listen to this. When they reached the valley of Eskol, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Two of the spies were motivational. Two of the spies said, we can do this. But the culture of the Israelites at that time, often looking back to Egypt, often forgetting the hardship and thinking about, well, maybe I was better off before. That culture overrid the hype and God couldn't use that moment to take them forward. It's really, really sad. But in your circle times, as you're just going round and round in circles, ask, what is God trying to train me in and take those opportunities? You may not realise why you need them, but you will one day. Even a bit like Livewire. You know, sometimes Livewire is not meant to be the most inspirational time. It's training, it's discipline. But you're going to need it one day. And one day, if you took all you can out of it, you're going to be able to make a connection. Other times, God's going to present you with an opportunity, but maybe you'll miss it because you didn't train yourself in the way you could have at the right time. Okay, practice number two. Miss it, and you may not miss out, but someone else may get it. Let me explain that with a little story. Uh, there's a story of a guy who uh, applied for a Morse code operating job. He wanted to be a receiver. don't know if you know what Morse code is. It's where you have the beep, 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 and you can translate it into words. So he went to the interview, and in the interview room, there were several other people waiting, and there was lots of noise in the background. There was typewriters, uh, because this was many years ago. There was people shouting and talking, and people were just sat there, and this guy who came in last sat there for a few moments. Other people had been waiting in line, and then suddenly he just stood up, walked into the interview room, and people looked at each other, what's going on? What? That's very rude of him. And then came out two minutes later with the manager saying, thank you everybody, but this young man has just been given the job. Now, of course, everybody else was in uproar. They couldn't believe it. Why has he just been given the job? That's ridiculous. We've all been waiting here, some of us, for hours. And the manager went on to explain, well, for the last few minutes in the office, we've been putting out on Morse code, beep, 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 beep. If you want the job, it goes to the first person to walk through the door. But the rest of you weren't listening for the Morse code. You were caught up in the white noise, all the background noise. Only he had the perception to hear. He was the person we needed and he's the one with the job. That's a pretty tough story, but the fact of the matter is that God is speaking. We need to hear what we can hear because if we don't, okay, the opportunity may come up for us at a much later date, but the opportunities that God's given us may go to some others. For instance, Deuteronomy says this, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your heart, impress them on your children, Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. 
The fact of the matter is that God had given the Hebrews, the Jews, the promises of God. And yet when the Messiah came, when they'd studied the scriptures, they'd, they'd known what they thought the Messiah would do. But the fact of the matter is they missed him. They missed the Messiah. And so often we miss God in our lives, not because we don't know what he looks like, but because we've decided in advance what he looks like. When Jesus came, he didn't look like what they expected and they ignored him. And so therefore, many of the promises of what God would do through the Israelites were given to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were able to make a huge impact and, and of course, spread the church and the message of God and the gospel throughout the world. You're important. And when you miss out, others will miss out as well. But the fact of the matter is that sometimes what God has for us, he ends up giving to other people. And if you're like me, I hate that idea. Sure, he may give me an opportunity later, but that may not be next week. It may be next year or it may be several years in the future. So let me encourage you, don't miss out. Don't just shut out what God's saying. Don't allow those beeps to become white noise, just mixed in with everything else. Listen for what God's saying to you. Look for the beeps in your life and grab hold of the opportunity, whether it's something to change in yourself, whether it's an opportunity God's given you to do something outside of your comfort zone. Grab hold, listen clearly, listen for what God's saying and grab hold of it in the time that God gives you at the right moment. Don't put it off thinking, well, maybe I'll do that six months from now because he may have given that opportunity to somebody else by then. Okay, our third practice. Remind yourself that God has hidden things for you, not from you. This is really important that you're patient in those seasons. Sometimes you're going round and round in a circle. God puts you in a season. It's important that you remember God put you in that season and it may be there for a while because there is something God is preparing you for. God hides things for us, not from us. For example, uh, when my sons were younger, they were always asking for presents, particularly my eldest son, Joel, would always be asking for stuff. I remember one year, I think he was asking us for a remote controlled car for Christmas. And we said to him, well, we'll think about it, we'll see knowing full well that the remote control car he was looking for, we'd already purchased and was about four feet away from him under a bed at the time. We'd bought that present. It was hidden for him, not simply from him. It was hidden for him at the right time. The right time was Christmas morning. After he said his thank you prayers to the Lord, we were gonna give him that present. God has things hidden for you at the right time. He has a spouse hidden for you at the right time, a boyfriend or girlfriend. He has a ministry opportunity hidden for you at the right time, but he's got to get you ready for that time. And that's what the season is for. Remember this earlier verse I read out. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? So remember I said that, that there was a culture of grumbling. Where did that culture come from? People had forgotten. They'd forgotten what God had done for them in the past. They'd forgotten that God hides things for us, not from us. 
They'd become bitter because they thought God was hiding things from them, not for them. And rather than training themselves to be appreciative, rather than saying good things, rather than coming to that place and saying, wow, this is, this is not a good place, but we know God has something for us, rather than encouraging each other, they grumbled. So I want to encourage you, remember, God has hidden things for you, not from you. That relationship, that opportunity, that ministry, that resource is ready for you and you can speed up uh, receiving it by training yourself, by, by doing the things that God is teaching you about through the beeps. And I believe that God can bring that to you quicker than it, than it has to be or slower than it has to be. Not so much based on how he feels, but on where you are in your relationship and your maturity with him. Okay, so let's look at our final workshop. Please discuss the following questions. Why do you think God would harden someone's heart? And if God wants to harden the heart of someone we are leading, then should we do anything about it? And if so, what? My heart and my prayer is that you will have momentum in your Christian walk, that you will move forward into new opportunities, that the boundary lines for you will be in pleasant places, that you will see God use you more and more and more. But I want to encourage you that God is not a God of luck. Uh, we don't live by fate, we live by faith. Faith is seeing and hearing what God is saying to us and acting on it. Sometimes that's in the season where we're going round and round in circles asking, what are you training me for? What are you preparing me for? And then sometimes it's in that moment, that short moment we have to take a particular opportunity and to grab it. I want to encourage you and I want to pray that you will always take those opportunities because you'll always be ready for them, that you won't try your train. Bless you, enjoy your final workshop and then next time we'll look at our final kingdom pattern.